What up, fam? Welcome to Toon Lord Done Right, a podcast where I take a moment to give you a quick history of a film, TV show, character, or concept in animation. You can call me Dave, and I'm kind of a student of animation history. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash toonlore, and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at toonloredr. As always, I want to give a special thanks to everyone who has been listening to and sharing the podcast. I really can't thank you guys enough for supporting my labor of love. Things continue to be interesting as we adjust to life during COVID, but y'all have stuck with me and I'm grateful for it. I also want to take this time to give a shout out to the people who nailed the trivia from last time, but nobody's answered yet. So I'm going to make it a little bit easier for people to respond to the trivia. Um, It may make it a little bit less confusing when I do so. So from now on, you'll just need to tweet at me at ToonLordDR with the episode title and the answer. So that should clear everything up. With that being said, today I have a real treat for you because I'm going to give you the TLDR on a fairly recent TV show that can be found on Netflix. I need to give a special shout out to Melvin Hughes for suggesting this episode. You can follow him on Twitch at xblackxdestroX if you want to see some Call of Duty action and get some funny commentary along the way. Again, I want to thank him for suggesting the 2016 animated series Voltron, the Legendary Defender. So jumping straight in, I have to mention that Voltron is an intellectual property that has survived many decades, remasters, and reboots. While I will briefly touch on the shows of the past, my main focus will be on the latest release. So Voltron Legendary Defender is a Netflix original TV series produced by DreamWorks Animation and World Event Productions while being animated by Studio MIR in South Korea. The show uses a combination of 2D animation and CG animation to great effect. It is based on the original American TV show, Voltron, Defender of the Universe, released in 1984, which drew its material from Japanese anime like Beast King Go Lion. This latest outing marks the fourth major television release of the Voltron franchise and the first to be web exclusive to Netflix. Since its initial release in 2016, the series has released eight seasons, with the final season being released on December 14, 2018. In total, the series has accumulated 78 episodes. As I mentioned in my intro, Legendary Defender is not the first Voltron animated series. While I won't go into much detail about the other shows, I will name them just for some context. We have Voltron, Defender of the Universe, Voltron Vehicle Force, Voltron Fleet of Doom, Voltron The Third Dimension, and Voltron Force. While the narrative of Legendary Defender is completely separate from all other Voltron incarnations, there are some nods to the original shows in this series. Legendary Defender was created as a part of a multi-year agreement with DreamWorks Animation. This deal was originally struck in 2015 and to date has produced a number of shows based on existing IPs and completely original ideas. These shows include, but are not limited to, The Adventures of Puss in Boots, Dino Trucks, Dragons Race to the Edge, Troll Hunters from the mind of master storyteller Guillermo del Toro, and one of my new favorite shows, Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beast. 
This deal with Netflix seems to have given DreamWorks the freedom to make shows the way they want to make them while keeping things unique. One unique aspect of the shows in this production is the number of episodes per season. Unlike in traditional media where there are a certain number of episodes that are needed per season, shows on Netflix are allowed to experiment with this to fit the needs of the show. There are eight seasons in Voltron and the number of episodes per season fits the needs of the show. For example, seasons one, two, seven, and eight are 13 episodes, while seasons three and six are seven episodes. And right in the middle, seasons four and five are six episodes. Now, now that I'm taking a look at the numbers, the show's beginning mirrors its end. This is a great storytelling device that really fits Legendary Defender well. Speaking of story, I would like to give you my impression of things as well. I don't want to give any spoilers, so I'll just give a quick synopsis. Our journey begins on Earth, as our main characters witness an alien ship crash nearby. After going to investigate, they find themselves thrust into outer space in the middle of a galactic war. With nowhere else to turn, our ragtag team learns how to pilot the legendary weapon Voltron to bring peace to the known universe. The characters, their development, and animation are great. And when I looked further into this, it should come as no surprise that this is the case. Behind the scenes on Voltron, you have talents such as showrunners Lauren Montgomery, Joaquin Dos Santos, and writers like Tim Hendrick and Mei Chan, who all worked in the amazing Avatar The Last Airbender series, which, for the record, is one of my favorite TV shows of all times. In my book, it goes down as a masterpiece. I should also mention that much of the animation was outsourced to Studio MIR in South Korea. This studio was founded in 2010 and has worked on projects like, of course, The Legend of Korra, The Boondocks, Young Justice Outsiders, and one of my newest favorite shows, Kipo in the Age of Wonder Beast. The main cast of the story consists of a combination of human and alien characters. Beginning with the pilots of Voltron, or Paladins as they're called, we have Shiro. He's the eldest of the human characters and the de facto leader. He is flawed in many ways, but he trusts in the ability and courage of his team more than anything. As the leader, he becomes the pilot of the Black Lion. Next, we have Keith. He's a hothead who has a hard time trusting people. His connection with Shiro affords him the place as Voltron's right hand and pilot of the Red Lion. Following Keith, we have Lance. He is a self-proclaimed ladies man who is cocky, confrontational, and arrogant at times. However, when the chips are down, he has been known to give wise words to his team. His relationship with Keith starts off rocky, but grows into a near unbreakable bond. In the story, we see that his Latino roots help to give him a strong sense of family, and trust is a big deal to him. Hunk, on the other hand, on paper, is the exact opposite of what you would want in a pilot. He is constantly scared, rarely wants to battle anyone, and would rather defend than go on the offensive. However, it is his ability to fight through his fear that has saved the Voltron squad on more than one occasion. His unwavering faith in his comrades and the good in all sentient life in the universe makes him the perfect paladin of the Yellow Lion. Finally, to close out the paladins, we have Pidge. 
Pitt is a genius who embraces space travel to look for close family members that were taken captive by aliens. Pitt's connection to technology and zeal to find this family gives the Green Lion the connection it needs for Pitt to become its paladin. Now on to the non-human characters. We start with Princess Allura, an alien from the planet Altea. She is the last surviving member of the Altean royal family. She uses her magic and knowledge of Voltron's history to guide the paladins to defend the universe. Although she is kind and loving, there is a deep-seated hatred in her heart for a race of beings called the Galra. This is the species that betrayed her father, King Alfor, the creator of Voltron, while destroying her home planet and her people in the process. Then we have Karan, who along with Alora, is the only other surviving Altaian. He was tasked by King Alfor to be the guardian to Alora. Throughout the series, he is mainly used as comic relief. Even some of his more serious moments are played for laughs, but his knowledge of Altaian history and his legitimate concern for the well-being of his team makes him a valuable part of the Voltron squad. Now I will talk about two of the major villains of the series, starting with Emperor Zarkon. He is the ruthless ruler of the Gaara Empire and once friend to King Altor. He is on a relentless search for the Voltron Lions as he seeks to become the supreme ruler. He has conquered much of the universe already, but needs Voltron to solidify his dominance. The Voltron Lions are seen as the most powerful weapons in the universe, and if he has them in his possession, then nothing and no one will be able to oppose him. Finally, we have Hagar. Not much is known about her in the first few seasons, but she is a master of dark magic and serves the Galra Empire faithfully. She is the chief advisor to Emperor Zarkon, and although her methods of warfare may be unorthodox, it is clear that she is a force to be reckoned with. Now we've come up to the portion of the show that I like to call the hook shot. This is where I watch the first three to five episodes of the show at hand, and if I'm hooked, I'll let you know if you should give it a shot. With Voltron, I have recently watched the entire series, and I enjoyed the show overall. However, I must say that the show starts off a bit slow. The first few episodes do give us amazing set pieces, some decent action, and locations, but there were some story beats that just made it stumble a bit for me. I have two examples that I wanna share with you. First is Pidge. I mentioned earlier that Pidge is a tech genius and that informs a lot of what we see. However, there is a point early on where Pidge's technological genius allows the team to hack into alien technology a bit too easily for my taste. It isn't really explained until the fourth or fifth season exactly why Pidge is that good with technology. We just have to accept it in the moment. Also, when the story begins, the human characters are whisked away to an alien planet in an instant, but none of them really show any longing for home until the third or fourth episode. Especially since most of the team are teenagers, I expected something a little bit different coming from those characters. As for the things that I did like, the team's motivations to pilot Voltron were clear. 
there was an established sense of urgency with Zarkon's generals hot on their tails. And I must also mention that the mix of 2D and 3D elements are great, especially when Voltron assembles for the first time. It's so satisfying when it does. If you are a fan of the original series, you won't be disappointed when you see this for the very first time. All in all, when it comes to my recommendation, I will say this. If you are okay with stories that start a bit slow but finish strong, or if you are confident in the writing chops of those who have worked on the Avatar series, then I will definitely recommend Voltron to you. However, on the flip side, if you want a story that jumps straight into the action, straight into the entry, this may be a little rough for you to dive into. So just know that I feel like the payoff for the slow start is worth it in the end. Now, before I let you go, I want to take you to the part of the show that I like to call Blacklight. Here, I scour the farthest and darkest corners of the internet to showcase a piece of work or artist that has piqued my interest recently. Today, I'm going to shine a light on illustrator Mike Tone, and that's T-O-N-E-Y. You can find him on Instagram at Mike Tone Designs, and you can see his website at shop.miketone.com. Some time ago, I found him on Kickstarter and backed his project called Black Anime, Lost Children of the Diaspora. This is an art book comprised of 94 pages of original black anime content, and I would love if you gave it a shot. And maybe you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Now, moving on to trivia. As always, the trivia will consist of one question that directly relates to the episode and one fan question. Remember, you can submit fan questions by emailing me at toonlore.dr at gmail.com. The first three people who respond with the correct answer to the trivia on Twitter will get a shout out. So here goes. Question one. Which of these characters is not a paladin of Ultron? A, Hagar, B, Keith, C, Pidge, or D, Shiro? I'll ask again. Which of these characters is not a paladin of Voltron? A, Hagar, B, Keith, C, Pidge, or D, Shiro? Now, moving on to question number two. If you were a fan of both anime and Cartoon Network in the 90s and the early 2000s, then this question might pique your interest. What two words combine to make Cartoon Network's Toonami? Is it A, anime and cartoon, B, tsunami and cartoon, C, cartoon and kami, or D, nami and cartoon? I'll ask the question again. What Two words make Cartoon Network's Toonami. A, anime and cartoon. B, tsunami and cartoon. C, cartoon and kami. Or D, nami and cartoon. Remember, to get a special shout out on my next episode, all you have to do is tweet at me at ToonLordDR with the correct answers. Just leave the episode name and the answers in your tweet. I will call out the top three responses 
in the next episode. This has been Toon Lord Done Right. And don't forget to like, share, review, comment, and subscribe. I can't wait to see what new countries and people we can reach. If you would like to submit a trivia question, please send me an email to ToonLordDR at gmail.com with the subject TLDR Trivia in the subject line. Please give a multiple choice question and note the correct answer. Also, feel free to leave your Twitter or Instagram handles in your message. You can make suggestions on future episodes by joining our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ToonLore, or letting me know what you think by following me on Instagram or on Twitter at ToonLoreDR. So, until the next time I can give you the TLDR on a film, TV show character, or concept in animation, it's been real. <laughs>